0: This edition of the AfriCast is sponsored by ASUS. The all-new ASUS ZenBook 14X OLED Space Edition boasts out-of-this-world performance in a slim package. Aside from performance, the ZenBook 14X OLED Space Edition's 14-inch display covers 100% of the DCI-P3 color gamut and sports display HDR True Black 500, as well as being touch-enabled. To find out more, head to za.store.asus.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the AfriCast. My name is Brendan Lotz, and joining me today, as always, is Clancy Matos. Hello again, everybody. And Robin Licchetti. Howdy. Uh, how much are you guys kicking yourself for not taking leave on Friday?
1: Um... The last long weekend, I did take leave, so I didn't want to do it twice in a row. Uh, but it's always nice to have one day off during the week. It's how every week should be, but that's a, not a conversation for right now. Yeah. And yourself, Robin?
2: I'm on the long play. I'm going to be saving up my days and taking the whole month of January off next year.
0: Oh, that's a, that's a smart
1: play. <laughs> that, is, that is a smart play. I think some people do that anyway, just they don't take leave. They just show up to work and don't do anything, which, I mean, more power to you. I just said we should have four-day weekends, but it is a, it's a bit irritating when you send out an email and then it doesn't get answered until February. Yeah.
0: Right. So uh, thanks again to ASUS for sponsoring uh, this AfriCast. Uh, you can find all the details in the live reads that you hear throughout this podcast. Let's get into the news. Robin, you've got some news about Le Wagon. Did I say that correctly?
2: Uh, I believe so. Uh, I'm not a, a French expert. I'm assuming the name is, has some kind of French extraction. Uh, but Lewagen, uh they're a relatively in, a new name to, to me, at least. Uh, but uh, they have a pretty large presence as far as coding schools or coding campuses across the globe are concerned. And they have spun up a new one uh, on the African continent, specifically in uh, Cape Town. Uh, they launched their coding bootcamp uh, this week, and they have launched it in partnership with the Red and Yellow Creative School of Business in the City Bowl. Um, so this marks the third uh, campus that LeWagon has launched, I guess, in the African region. Uh, last year they launched uh, successful bootcamps in Mauritius and Casablanca. So it now looks like they are looking to the static region, and the Cape Town one will be the first one. Um, so yeah, as you mentioned, the I think it's probably more than just coding boot camps. Uh, they offer specifically uh, courses in web development and data science. As we know, data science is one of the kind of jobs of the future that often is talked about. Uh, and uh, hopefully, these kind of coding boot camps will assist as far as skills development in the country goes. We know that um, that's probably one area that is lacking. Uh, especially when it comes to people that have just graduated and are struggling to find jobs in the market. So, hopefully, this does something in that regard. Um, as regards to the curriculum, um, you're able to ap- apply for either full time or part time uh, boot camps. Um, the full time one is over nine weeks, the part time one is over 24 weeks. Obviously, there will be a cost involved with these boot camps. Um, Lowag and haven't explained what the costs are, but they have advised that the the first weekend will start on 29th of August, and that'll be for web development. Uh, we got a story about this, and there's a link to the wagon uh, landing page where you can find out a bit more about the different programs that are on offer. Uh, in terms of free elements that wagon is going to be making available in South Africa, there will be free coding work- workshops and tech talks t- held twice a month. Um, they will be based both in person and online at, uh, via the Cape Town Workshop, which is based in Woodstock. Uh, it's also gonna, it's also based with the uh, Red and Yellow Creative School of Business there, and uh, the first workshop is taking place on the 50th of June, which uh, is when we we're recording today. But uh, yeah, you, you can kind of visit their site to kind of see what is being made available. Um, there, I wouldn't say that there's, there's a dearth of uh, coding schools available in the country, but it's always good to have more options. And yeah, to have a big name like LeWagon now kind of joining the fray, it's also going to be promising.
0: Yeah, not to be confused with Lagwagon, the punk band. Um, sounds like a really great initiative.
1: I'll, I'll try not to get it confused with that.
0: <laughs> I'll try. I
2: think I might be a deep cut.
0: No, well, there is a band called Lagwagon. How do you guys not know this? From like the 90s, like one of the core uh, 90s
1: punk bands. Anyway, I, giving my age away here. I thought you were going to say it was an esports team.
0: Oh, no, no, no. It's a Lagwagon punk band check them out it's really good if you if you like uh, some happy music uh right uh then this week i wrote up a a really interesting feature regarding scam baiting do you guys know much at all about scam baiting robin i
2: only oh um yeah i know of yes popular youtubers that kind of dabble in scam baiting um yeah
1: and yourself uh clinton yeah exactly the same just uh youtube videos uh i watch a few i'm subscribed to jim browning i think is the only one and then whenever a big one pops up because they've done something new or interesting so yeah, yeah. just youtube
0: yeah, so scam baiting is the act of wasting a scammer's time. Essentially, you get a scam email or a scammer calls you, uh, and you just essentially try and waste as much of their time as possible. Either by uh, acting acting foolish, or or just just literally taking as long as possible to comply with what they're asking you. Uh, the reason uh, I bring this up is. Uh, back in May, YouTuber Mark Rober, who has an immense following, uh, published a scam baiting video, uh, which essentially it was titled Pranks Destroy Scam Callers. And in that video, Rober, together with Jim Browning and Trilogy Media, uh, take on these illegal scam call centers in India. Um, and it's a really interesting video, but it made me rather concerned because scam baiting can be incredibly dangerous, uh, especially if you don't know what you're doing. Um, we uh, both of you mentioned YouTubers who make content around scam baiting, and I think one of the things where these guys often fail is is showing the viewer the protections that they have in place, right? So I know from watching Kit Boger that he's using a virtual machine. He's using um, Call of obfuscation, sort of stuff, uh, and and he's being very very careful about how he engages with these scammers. Uh, the problem is though that not everybody who watches these videos is aware of the dangers and how you need to protect yourself. So we uh, we had a, a chat to Dwayne Nickel, uh at Mimecast as well as Anna Collard at No Before Africa, uh, just to chat more about scam baiting, uh, what the dangers are, uh, what the benefits of it is, uh, if there is any benefits at all. And while I was writing the story, I came across a really interesting uh, paper that was written by Mark Button and Jack Whitaker in 2021 that looked at uh, vigilantes fighting cybercrime. Uh, and it it kind of concluded that there are three waves of vigilante cybercrime uh, fighting that we are seeing evolve. The first saw, uh, I don't know if you guys remember, the, the age of YouTube where uh, you had... Um, child molesters who were being confronted uh, and then videos were being made about them and posted onto YouTube. So that was the first one where uh, vigilantes would essentially confront wrongdoers and um, and make them answer for their actions, right? And not in a violent way, of course. Um, the second wave is what we're seeing now where rather than confronting offenders, vigilantes are u- using technology and their resources to disrupt their operations. Uh, whether this has that intended effect is a matter of debate, because ultimately the only way that you can uh, essentially get rid of these scam call centers is by cutting off the head, and that's a very difficult thing to do. Uh, The third wave, however, which was really interesting, um, is that because cybercrime is such a global problem, these vigilantes could kind of help law enforcement um, and work alongside them as a way to kind of monitor the halls of the internet for any wrongdoers and scammers so really interesting stuff um how do you recommend you take take a read of it uh some really interesting advice here from both uh nicole and uh, collard um so yeah uh take a look at it it's
1: it was a really fun feature to write uh, something i just want to mention i don't know if you've mentioned it in the story brennan I haven't had a chance to look at it yet so apologies um is that sometimes they don't talk about exactly how they pull off these scam baits for two reasons one is that they don't want the scammers to know so they can Mm. put a stop to it and the other reason is that i don't think some of what these people are doing the scam baiters is legal (sighs) like uh, illegally accessing someone else's computer and i know it's like you said it's vigilantism and i I highly doubt any of them are going to like get caught up by the police and because the police don't care. Like you said, that you need to work with law enforcement, but a lot of these guys do report them to the police and nothing happens. That's another subject. But I do just want to say sometimes what they're doing isn't exactly legal, so they don't say it to protect themselves legally. They can't say, oh, I, uh, you know, I found this back door, which is illegal to use, and I used it to get into the computers because, yeah, they don't do it. And they also sometimes don't want to um, tell people how they did it, because they don't want, like you said, people who think, oh, I want to do this, but then they don't put up the right protections, and then they go do it, and they go get themselves you know, into trouble. So there are reasons why they don't disclose some of this, um, but they should disclose some of it by just saying, you know, don't do this at yeah. all.
0: <laughs> just a disclaimer is all I'm asking for, is yeah. this is very dangerous, this is why you shouldn't do it, and this is how it can go wrong. Um, but yeah, take a read of the the feature. Um, and let's move on to the next thing. Uh, Clinton Thor: love and thunder tickets are on sale yes. apparently.
1: Yes. So in America, they said that, um, tickets were going on sale on Monday and we didn't know if that was going to include South Africa. Um, but it is, and you could have bought tickets from Monday already, uh, depending on listening to this. But what makes this even more interesting is that you can actually see the movie a day early. So Thor love and thunder launches, um, on the 8th of July, but in South Africa, you can actually see it on the 7th of July. So, uh, Both Stuart Kinical and New Metro are hosting screenings from 7pm at night um, on the 7th of July. Uh, that is, It depends on where you are. For example, all of the theatres near me have no showings for 7. They all start at 8 for some reason. Uh, but that completely depends on where you live. And something else, I couldn't find any 2D screenings of this movie at all. It seems that all the early screenings are 3D only. So there are some caveats to keep in mind when you're buying these tickets. But if you want to see this movie early, you can catch them. And I'm just loading up the Sturkinical website now because I remember I wrote a very similar story for um, Doctor Strange. And a few, like a month before the movie was even out, it completely sold out. I just want to load up quick, let's say Santa and that's fairly busy. Let's see if people are buying tickets no okay so there haven't been a lot of people booking tickets yet um like santon has a decently sized screen the first screening at eight o'clock on 7th of july only has two people booked so far and i can see these these are real fans they booked right in the middle of the theater um in the uh, middle seats of the row so i can tell these people know what they're doing Uh, So I wanted to put this out as kind of a PSA. Anyone who wants to see the movie early can do so. And I just wanted to load up one other thing here. Oh, there have been some early screenings of this movie overseas. And apparently uh, everyone who's seen it early really loves it. And the other thing is that uh, they say that... What's his name? Christian Bale, as the main antagonist called the God Butcher, is amazing. They say he is the best um, Marvel villain so far. So I'm really excited for this one. And if you want to get your tickets early, do so. Um, like I said, maybe they're not sold out right now, but they may sell out soon. So get it quick. The new Asus ZenBook
0: 14X OLED Space Edition packs a massive punch. Featuring an Intel 12th Gen Core i9-12900H paired with Intel's Iris Xe graphics. This is paired with up to 32GB of low power DDR5 memory. Together with support for an NVMe PCI 4.0 SSD, you won't be waiting for the ASUS ZenBook 14X OLED Space Edition. To find out more, head to z Right, so that's the news for the week. Let's get on to the meat and potatoes of this AfriCast. As you might know, it's E3 right now, except not really because E3 isn't isn't actually happening. Uh, We did, however, have Microsoft uh, host a showcase uh, earlier this week, well, on Sunday, technically. Uh, It was a massive affair, nearly two hours long. My goodness. Uh, we got to look at some, some games coming from both of the studios, including Diablo 4, which um, <laughs> kind of makes me worried because of the state of Diablo Immortal. I mean, sorry, Immortal. Um, mm. But yeah, so we did get a look at some really good games. And Clinton, I think you're going to start us off with uh, some DLC for an existing game that I gave like top marks last year.
1: Yeah, so this is some upcoming DLC for Forza Horizon 5. Something that I'm very excited about but also a bit disappointed in which I'll get to in a minute. So what is this DLC? It is the return of Hot Wheels. So Hot Wheels was in Forza Horizon 3. It wasn't in Forza Horizon 4 but now this is kind of a triumphant return of the franchise to Forza Horizon and basically hey have you ever seen hot wheels and you wanted to drive them for real well we can't do that but here's a video game to compensate so this is uh, i'm just going to give you some numbers quick this is coming out on the 19th of july um you will be able to race tracks that are 200 kilometers long um that's the uh, the total and they're all those those bright orange and blue loops which is very interesting um There are 80 new track and stunt pieces, which you can use in Event Lab. Event Lab is Forza Horizon 5's um, workshop, if you want to call it that, where you can make your own events. There are 10 new cars coming up, which include um, Hot Wheels cars that are going to become drivable cars. And oh, the the big um, announcement for this is that you can play through the whole expansion in co-op. So all of this is very Exciting. And when I played Forza Horizon 4, uh, 4, sorry, I missed the Hot Wheels and Forza Horizon 3. And because of the stupid way Microsoft does and Playground, the developer does this, is that after a few years, the old games are no longer available for sale. So by the time I got into the Forza franchise, you could no longer buy Forza Horizon 3 with the Hot Wheels expansion. Now, I know you can go on eBay and buy like pre-made codes and stuff like that i'm not going to do that i think i'll just wait for this so this looks amazing uh i didn't collect that many hot wheels when i was younger but i had a few and the the fact that you can have a game like this that's in such high resolution and you can just say hey this is kids toys made huge is great now let me talk about why i'm not so stoked about it even though i'm very excited and when we were talking about this podcast before, and everyone had to choose the thing they were most excited about, but I do just want to temper some expectations. The first is that this is paid. It is $20, which is a lot of money right now. I think that's like 600 Rand. Um, let me do it quick. Um, so it's a paid expansion, which is obviously, you know, you've got to start with money. it's 320 Rand. And I remember some of the paid expansions in Forza Horizon 4, which I did buy. They were expensive, and then they weren't what I was hoping they were. Um, Now, some people could call me nitpicky because Forza Horizon 5, the base game that is like a 1,000 hours worth of content, is included in Xbox Game Pass. But this expansion is not included in Game Pass. So if you are somebody who's been enjoying the game through Game Pass and you haven't bought it, you will need to pay to get this. Now, the last thing I want to mention, this isn't really the game's fault or the expansion's fault, but I was really hoping that Lego would make a return. So like I said, Forza Horizon 3 had Hot Wheels, but Forza Horizon 5, uh 4, <laughs> these names man, Forza Horizon 4 had Lego. So Lego has a sub theme called Speed Champions, which is about real life cars that Lego has recreated. And in 4, there was an entire um, subsection of the map made out of LEGO with LEGO cars and LEGO tracks and LEGO environments. And if you hit a LEGO wall, it would explode into bricks and pieces. And it was just a lot of fun. And I was kind of hoping it would return for this game. Now, it could happen that, you know, in a while they say, hey, Speed Champions is back. But I don't think they'll have two theme expansions for the same game. I think Hot Wheels is what we're going to get. And then there might be another big expansion that is not based on toys. So, yeah, I'm just really excited to do some loops, to drive some ridiculous cars. Um, now, Brendan, you did mention in the beginning, you actually reviewed Forza Horizon 5 and you gave it top wow. marks. Are you looking forward to picking this up? Are you? Do you care at all about Hot Wheels?
0: Uh, not really. And uh, I think there was a game released recently, Hot Wheels Unleashed. Um was released yes. last year that looks like a lot more fun than playing Hot Wheels in Forza Horizon 5. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like DLCs like this kind of just go over my head because I'm not that interested in, in extra cars and stuff, especially with a game like Forza where there's there's already so many vehicles. Um, like, do I really need more? Probably not. I'm also just a bit more excited about um, Forza, Mo- the next Forza Motorsport game. Yep. Um, but yeah, for me, this is not really something that I'll be looking into. But that's that's just based on my personal preference.
1: Robert, did you have a chance to play Forza Horizon 5 since we last spoke? I, um, I remember, because you, you also, you love cars like I do. Um, but I don't think you actually have hardware on hand to play uh, Xbox titles, if I'm not mistaken.
2: Uh, I do have a hardware, it's just, um, I guess my, my colors are already uh, pinned to the Gran Turismo mask, as it were. Mm. Um, so I think a lot like Brendan, I would rather be interested to see what Motorsport is about and kind of invest in a new title than say, go back to 5 and then get the DLC as well. Yeah, I'll probably look forward as opposed to looking backwards, if that makes sense.
1: And the, uh, the prospect of having Hot Wheels doesn't sway you?
2: Uh, Yeah, I wasn't really a big Hot Wheels guy. I think um, it would really depend on what the cars actually are. And it would have to be really, really tempting or really amazing uh, to warrant actually purchasing the base game and then the DLC as well. So yeah, yeah, it it would have to be quite the offering in order to me to buy it.
1: Yeah, fair enough. And like uh, Brendan said, there is an entire Hot Wheels game available right now. So I think anyone looking at this might look at that game and think of getting it instead. That being said, I... think it's cheaper to buy this expansion and if you already own forza Horizon 5 you may consider just getting the expansion as for me i don't know what i'm going to do when it comes out maybe i'll be busy when it comes out maybe i'll decide it's not worth the money maybe the reviews say it's not that good i'm not sure what i'm going to do but i'm sure i'll write a story if i do pick it up Um, and i also may just wait for the next expansion to come out and buy them as a bundle in for a decreased price which they do so that is the Hot Wheels expansion coming to Forza Horizon 5 coming on the 19th of July. I'm very excited about it, but I do have my reservations.
0: Awesome. Now, Robin, you be you uh, mentioned when we asked what people were going to be talking about in this podcast, uh, you mentioned The Last of Us Part Part 1. Now, can you just explain to me, because because I'm, I'm a bit of a dumbhead, what is The Last of Us Part 1 in comparison to all the other Last of Us games?
2: Alright, so obviously everyone knows, I guess, the iconic uh, Last of Us game, the original game that came out, uh, and then there was a remaster of that in 2003, uh, oh, sorry, no, 2013, uh, for the PS3, um, and since then we have received a, f- a few DLC for that, and then uh, a couple of years ago there was obviously The Last of Us Part II, um, which was uh, divisive to say the least, uh, but now uh, developer Naughty Dog are looking to create a, a version of The Last of Us Part 1, which is, I guess, the original game for specifically designed for the PS5. And that is kind of what I wanted to highlight for my upcoming title that was announced recently. It was announced um, during the Summer Games Fest. Um, so it's a little bit, I guess, later than some of the other titles we're talking about today. Uh, but yeah, it, it is essentially a top to, bot, to bottom uh, redesign of the entire game. Uh, specifically designed to look amazing on the PS5. And although we don't necessarily have uh, full gameplay just yet, uh, we have been able to receive a few images and a few kind of comparisons between the remaster, the 2013 remaster, and what uh, Naughty Dog are developing now with The Last of Us Part 1. Um, They also mentioned that they'll be looking to kind of capitalize on the PS5 hardware. Uh, A PlayStation blog post mentioned that We've implemented modernized gameplay, improved controls, and expanded accessibility options in the single-player experience to allow even more individuals to enjoy the game. Effects, exploration, and combat have all been enhanced, Uh, leveraging the PS5's powerful hardware. We also implemented 3D audio, haptics, and adaptive triggers. So a lot of those, I guess, peripheral elements that were part of The Last of Us Part 2 are now going to be kind of folded into the experience for The Last of Us Part 1. And at the time of writing, we didn't have any pricing for the, the Last, Last of Us Part One on the PS5. Uh, we do have that now, so it is available for pre-order via the PlayStation Store. It's arriving on the second of September on the PS5. Uh, they're also planning to do a PC port as well, but there hasn't been any date uh, or time, kind of time frame outlined just yet. So uh, perhaps. Unsurprisingly, uh, this is going to be expensive. This is going to be the opposite of of affordable. Um, The standard (laughs) edition is one thousand three hundred and sixty-nine rand on pre-order, which is a lot of randellas. Um, And then the deluxe edition, and I'll run through what it has involved just now. It's going to retail. It's going for pre-order. It's going to cost one thousand five hundred and thirty-nine rand, which again is a lot of randellas. What you are gonna be getting in the Deluxe Edition is uh, obviously the base game, which is designed for the PS5. Um, there'll also be a left-behind prequel chapter, um, two skill upgrades uh, available as early unlocks, uh, pistol and rifle upgrades, explosive arrows, a dither punk filter, a speed run mode, and six weapon skins. So there are, I guess, a lot of cosmetics that will be added to the mix, whether that is worth another t- close to 200 Rand. Um, is up for debate but yeah this is not going to come cheap and it really kind of boils down to how much of a fan you were of the last of us and i think a lot of people that have played the game are big fans of it it's just yeah it that price is a lot to kind of take on especially given the current state of affairs yeah
1: Robin, let me ask you something quick about that price it's more than a 60 dollars game right is this a 70 dollars game in america
2: Um, Yeah, so in the PlayStation blog said $70 for the standard edition and then $80 for the deluxe digital edition. Yeah,
1: because I saw someone on Twitter randomly saying it's $80, so I was just a bit confused. But that makes sense, it's for the other edition. The other thing I want to ask you is that, isn't the, the, not the remake, the kind of the remaster for PS3, isn't that included with PS Classics that you get for free if you're a, a subscriber?
2: I would have to check through that exhaustive list that uh, PlayStation uh, showcased last month, I think it was. Um, So I'm not too sure, actually, on that one. No, I mean through, sorry, through
1: uh, even the old, not not as a new one. uh, I don't know if you guys remember, a while back, PlayStation Plus just had access to certain PlayStation classics. um, And I think that uh, included The Last of Us, the remaster. So because I remember I think about two years back now I borrowed Robin's PlayStation 5, the Office PlayStation 5 and I played some games and while I was downloading them I saw on the PlayStation stores like oh you you just have access to The Last of Us through your subscription so the fact that for some people you can just boot up the game and play it right now, it's it's a hard ask to say buy it again for, for so much money. I would have really liked them to Have some kind of system where maybe if you already have a version of the game on your account, you get a big discount. I think that would have been a nice show of faith. I understand that they're saying this is a complete remake of the game and, you know, we have to pay people to make this. I, I completely understand that. It's just a lot of money and that discount for owners would have been a real nice, you know, sign of good faith. And like you said, Robin, the people who are going to be buying this are already such big fans why don't you reward your biggest fans?
2: Yeah, I mean, a discount would have been welcome. It's uh, unfortunately the nature of the beast, I guess, um, mm. especially considering, I don't know. Uh, it seems like we're going to be in a lot of The Last of Us related media. Um, that blog post I was mentioning also shared uh, an image from the upcoming HBO series uh, mm. that they're going to be doing. Um, I'm on the fence about that still. Yeah. Um, much of it is around casting. Uh, nothing against... Uh, I forget his name. Pedro Pascal. Pedro Pascal, yeah. Yeah, I, I, he seems like a great actor and everything I like got. And I believe they got uh, Lady Mormont from Game of Thrones, to be playing Ellie. Um, yeah, nothing against those actors. But for me, I think a lot of... I think also for a lot of fans of the series, they associate those characters with the voice actors that have kind of been handling them for the past... What, more than a decade
1: now? Mm. Um. Sorry, guys, I, I don't want to take up too much time here. One thing I do want to mention is also with Brendan here, who's also a PC gamer like I am. What do you think of the fact that they're bringing it to PC at the same, well, not at the same time, but they announced it at the same time for PC, Brendan?
0: I mean, I played the first one. It was okay. Uh, I'd never played the second one, never played the sort of sequel, not sequel, mm. the, the in-between game. Yeah. Um, I don't know. For me, it's just uh, it's it was a good game. I played it, and I don't need to play it again.
1: Yeah. I have to wonder how many people are out there who haven't had the game entirely spoiled, because I've had it spoiled just through like cultural, you know, sharing of media and stuff like that. People... The games have been out so long, even the second game, that people are just casually spoiling it, so I'm not sure I have any real reason to play it I, I know obviously there's a big difference between just reading a spoiler and playing a game but I also like Brendan I don't feel any big rush to get this one unlike God of War and uh, Horizon Zero Dawn and Spider-Man coming up those games were announced on PC and I was thinking oh I'm going to pick that up on PC I don't have as much enthusiasm for this one maybe that's sacrilege to say or maybe it's just been too long and maybe they missed the boat on bringing it to PC, because it has been out for a while.
2: I think it'll be a case that is similar with the, uh, the Uncharted. Uh, I guess you have Thieves remastered that they did. It'll it'll look really good and it'll play really well, but the price isn't necessarily something you want to pick up straight away. You'll probably have to, want to wait for it to be discounted to actually really validate actually picking it up. Yeah. It, <laughs> it's very much a case of what's going to be around for PS5 players in September. Uh, Will the PS Plus subscription service, for example, be enough of a lure to keep them playing? It it, it just... It seems like they're almost like pricing themselves out of contention, which is unfortunate because uh, although I guess uh, opinions are mixed on the first game, uh, I really enjoyed it. So, yeah, uh, it is an interesting... uh, Tactic that uh, PlayStation are going to be de- going with moving forward.
0: Yeah, back in my day, they called that a cash grab. But, you know,
1: times change. Yeah, I saw some, <laughs> I don't want to repeat it or give them any attention, but some people on Twitter, oh, these, this series has a lot of staunch supporters, and they, are, they were out in force um, backing up that price. And I, I don't want to get into that. But, yeah, all we can say it's a lot of money, and the economy is not entirely conducive to stuff like that. Yeah.
0: Right, let's move on to Bethesda, the developer slash publisher, although I suppose they're now just a developer, uh, that has to earn a lot of trust back given the absolute... I don't even, I, I, I nearly swore there, but the absolute disaster that, that was Fallout 76. Uh, on Sunday, we got a look at some early gameplay of Starfields, the highly anticipated space faring adventure from Bethesda Studios, and it looks like a Bethesda game in a lot of ways. So uh, the first glimpse that we saw of the game was a ship landing that looks a lot like a ship from the Brotherhood of Steel in Fallout. <laughs> um, like uh, the first thing I, the first thing I saw was just the big, like sort of almost 70 retro-esque dome shapes. And, uh, it, it, it got me a bit worried that having been said, it does look like there has been a new lick of paint. It doesn't look like the same sort of engine that we've been playing on since Oblivion days. Um, so it does look very nice. Uh, we see some vast vistas, but again, for, uh, Bethesda games generally have, a problem where they are very wide but frighteningly shallow so while bethesda does claim there will be a thousand plus planets to explore um whether those planets will be worth exploring is is something that we're just going to have to wait and see as we learn more about this game uh, the guns look interesting the ui is far more user-friendly than the days of Fallout and Elder scrolls um We get to hear some of that good old Bethesda NPC voice acting uh, and enemies that do look incredibly spongy, although it makes sense for this type of game. Uh, We see some hacking. We see uh, the main capital city known as New Atlantis. And it looks like a decent game, but I'm going to say something that's really controversial right now, but I would prefer to play Star Citizen. Um, And I know that that's a controversial statement because Star Citizen is a game that's been in development for close on a decade at this point and has a a sort of crowdfunding scheme that ensures that the game will never run out of funding um during development and also never have to release the game but the core of star citizen is a far better game than what i'm seeing here within um starfield so to give you an idea of why i say this gunfights or dogfights in star citizen are incredibly tense um you can't just flip on a dime and turn around. some ships are able to do that, but for the vast majority of dogfights, you're not going to just be able to flip on a dime and turn around when the guy comes when the the enemy comes blazing past you. And in the combat that we saw from starfield, it looks very much like a a sort of simplistic version of uh, of aerial combat. Uh, I suppose that's a good thing because it is, this is a Bethesda game, and I suppose they want it to be as accessible to as many people as possible. But I'm kind of just looking at Star Citizen and Starfield and kind of going, mm, I prefer the vision that Starfield is or Star Citizen is putting out to me. Um, kind of this whole create your own game, create your own loop, uh, whether you want to be a miner or the authorities, eventually you will be able to do that. And those systems are coming into place to allow that. I mean, in case you don't know, there's now an entire mining economy within uh, Star Citizen at the moment. Uh, you can become a bounty hunter, hunting down people. There's a criminals, uh, there's a crime stat system. Um, there's a functioning functioning economy within the game. So there is, there's a lot that uh, Robert Space Industries is building for this game, um, and for me, it just looks like a better option to Starfield. Now, the the big caveat here is that Star Citizen may never see final release. And uh, Starfield is set for release in 2023. Um, we'll have to see when it comes out. Uh, I personally am going to wait until reviews are out before I spend any money on this game. Um, and even then, it will be when it's substantially cheaper. Um, in terms of like gameplay stuff, uh, or, or some of the sticking points for me, there's no voiced character. Now, I know that the voiced character in Fallout 4 was very contentious, but I feel like we're in an age where maybe your character should have a voice, although I say that having just come off of playing Elden Ring where your main character says nothing ever. Um, I suppose I, I'm a hypocrite. I'll wear that bra- that, that badge proudly. Um, but yeah, it, it looks interesting, but unfortunately for me, it just doesn't have that, ooh, I gotta play this game feeling. I, I don't know how you... Robin, did you watch the Starfield reveal? What What do you think about it?
2: I did watch it. Um, it didn't necessarily wow me. Um, mm. But also, I've been burned too many times by hype uh, quite recently as well. So I'm trying not to... In, there's too much interest in uh, in a game's release, uh, especially when we don't really have a lot of definitive details and the launch has been delayed several times and sometime in 2023, who knows when that's going to happen. Um, I, I, I try not to, put yeah, get, again, put too much weight uh, behind it not these days. Um, I, I won't get into the kind of Star Citizen debate, uh, but from what I have read online, I'm hearing the the phrase, no man's sky, being thrown around a lot, mm, and yeah. that concerns me. I know that that game since launch has been able to rectify a lot of the issues it had and is is very much loved now in the community, but I don't know. It's... Uh, I, I think like you, I'm going to be holding off quite a bit uh, kind of seeing what the reviews are like. Uh, perhaps if we get one in for review, copy in for review as well, perhaps speaking to every reviews and kind of getting their feedback as well before I start... Uh, I just don't want to get cyberpunked again. <laughs>
1: uh, I just want to, uh, before that, I just want to add Robin got cyberpunk on the PS4, which was the worst version of the game. So he's, uh, he has all the rights in the world to say that. Um, I was going to mention uh, No Man's Sky, uh, just like Robin was going to. I saw um, in the trailer where the character started to do uh, mining. And they yep. just pulled out a tool that looked like it was exactly mm. out of No Man's Sky. And they used a laser to gather the rocks. I was like, is this just No Man's Sky? What are you doing? And then for the rest of the trailer, I was like, this is No Man's Sky or this is the Outer Worlds. I'm I, I'm honestly a bit shocked. If you showed me that trailer, uh, just like the gameplay sections, and you told me it was the Outer Worlds 2, I would have 100% believed you. And that does not fare well for me because... I don't think the Outer world is bad at all. It was just one of the most forgettable RPGs I've mm-hmm. ever played. Which is uh, the other day, coming from Obsidian, yeah. The other day, I was um, I was browsing through uh, Game Pass to look for something new to play, and I was like, "Oh, the Outer Worlds. That looks pretty cool." And then I thought about it for a few seconds. I was like, "Wait a minute! A few months ago, I played that game, and I finished it, and I like almost did all the side quests." So. For it to remind me so much of that does not have me enthused. So, I think I share all you guys' sentiment where yeah, it looks fine. (laughs) I'm just not excited about it. And yeah, I understand that the studio wants to do more stuff, but I would be so much more excited if this was the next Elder Scrolls or the next Fallout. Um, And I think just this morning, they said they are making a new Fallout after um, Elder Scrolls 6, but you no know, thanks. Maybe my yeah, maybe my grandchildren will enjoy that game when it comes out. I'm yeah, um, so yeah, for looking forward to it.
0: So for me, Starfield has to be it has to be incredible. Um there's no oh seven out of ten, that's fine. It has to be a ten out of ten game because uh Bethesda now has to prove that it can still make video games. Uh mm. Fallout 76 is nothing but a cash grab using decades-old technology that has been tweaked. Yes, it has been tweaked, but it's still an engine that is so ancient that within the first week of play, there were bugs that were getting people banned for taking advantage of them. So for me, Starfield has to be an absolutely perfect game at launch. There's none of this... Oh, will patch it in future because Bethesda A hasn't done that with its games in the past uh, instead relying on the modding community and the community of gamers around them to, to kind of address this stuff um, but I don't know, for me I think that this needs Starfield needs to be the turning over of a new leaf for Bethesda and I just don't trust Todd Howard to lead the the company or the division of Xbox Actually. in that direction
1: did you like his little leather jacket? No, I didn't.
0: I really didn't. I, was I like, don't come like. On Todd. I don't like Todd Howard at all anymore. After that, like, I, I, I don't think people fully understand how much I despise Fallout seventy six. I felt so burned by that game, and I didn't even pay for it. It was a review copy, but it wasted so much of my time and made me feel so sad about where this company had has come. That. I, I just I just don't care about anything Bethesda does anymore. I, I honestly don't. So, honestly, Starfield has to be insane. Else, I don't see why Microsoft spent the money
1: it did on acquiring the studio. So, I wanted to bring that up. Do you guys think Microsoft is going to make sure things are in order over there? No. <laughs> just quite <laughs> frankly, no. You don't think they're going to be any better than nope. Cinemax? Nope. No. Oh, no. Well. I mean, we'll we'll see. It could be the best game ever made. Highly doubt it, but it could be. There's always there's always a chance. So you're saying there's a chance? No,
0: I don't. I don't think there's a chance I, because just given given Bethesda's reputation over the years, there is not a chance that this is a perfect game. No, absolutely not.
1: Not in 2023, yeah. at least. Given what we've seen so far. I also on top of the expectations of Bethesda, I just. What is this going to do new or exciting that's not done by the other games we mentioned? Star Citizen, The Outer Worlds, No Man's Sky. The first person FPS space RPG has really been done to death. And in recent years, it's not like, oh, there was a lot of cool games in the 90s or the early 2000s. It's recently in the last few years. So what are they going to do? It, like, And this first trailer has really not given us confidence. They, they didn't show anything new. We've seen this yeah. before we've sung this song we've danced this
0: dance even some of the NPC models to me just look like they were plucked out of uh like a fallout game or an elder yeah Sports they look game. like the outer world yeah they really do it's just like oh okay well you know the, and then we'll hear about the limitations of the technology you know after the fact and we try to make the best game we could etc et but i just don't believe it anymore i'm not buying what they're selling robin what do you think
2: Uh, Yeah, uh, like I mentioned, I was cyberpunked, um, and I don't know, more and more, I'm I'm of the opinion that the game has to be out for a couple of weeks before I'll actually weigh in on whether or not I want to purchase it, when I want to spend my hard-earned money on games that, like you've already mentioned, are costing upwards of 1,300 rand. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I think this. uh, I think you had a story about this that the Games Week, uh, sorry, Fest was going to like just kind of showcase games that we already knew that they were on the way. And it pretty much stuck to that billing. There wasn't anything uh, to get excited about. Mm. Um, We already mentioned Diablo. um, (laughs) And although it might look great, we don't know what's going to happen as far as microtransactions. They said that this is a fully fledged single purchase game, you not have to worry about anything like that. But, I mean, um, they
0: told us that you wouldn't be able to buy gear and be more powerful in um, Diablo Immortal. And technically they were right because you have to buy the upgrade materials with real money. But anyway.
2: Yeah, it's a, I don't know. Um, I feel like gaming is probably in a, is, is in a really weird situation right now where... Uh, I think I also read about this last year that I feel like 2021 was the year I grew, grew less in love with gaming in mm-hmm. general. And nothing really so far this year has has done anything to dissuade me of that opinion. Um, and I think the three titles we discussed today um, is very much a wait and see. P- potentially, probably only the Last of Us Part One is the one is the only thing we kind of have an idea what's to, what to expect. It's just obviously a pricing issue.
1: Yeah, you um, guys need to play more indie stuff. Is what it sounds like to me. Not to not to like throw a shade. I'm just saying. Um... It's
2: time, man. It's time.
1: No, I know, but I mean, it's it's not like the old days where you need to spend ten hours looking at the new releases on Steam. There's there's a lot of cover I mean, I just wrote about um, the story should be out a game called Dome that I played the demo of in uh, Steam Nextwares, and that was the best game I played in a long time, and it was it was literally made by two people. So. I understand what you're saying, Robin. I do have those days. I'm like, why do I play video games? This sucks. <laughs> but then but then I have other days where I play a game like Dome Keeper. I was like, oh, yeah, this is the one of the best mediums that humankind has ever uh, invented. So, yeah. yeah, play Indies, people, please. <laughs>
0: yeah, and if you're not look for, looking forward to anything, I highly recommend Elden Ring.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Brendan, we'll is gonna, <laughs> Brendan is gonna. is never going to play another video game ever. He's, no. he's <laughs> just going to keep playing Elden Ring. Brendan sent me a message on Slack the other day. He's like, yeah, uh, Elden Ring has ruined video games for me because it's too good. Yeah, it is too good. Uh, just play Elden Ring. Forget other video games. Embrace
0: Elden Ring. Uh, but that's going to wrap it up from us for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope that you stay warm if you're in uh, the northern parts of the country. It is absolutely freezing thanks to a cold front. Um, so yeah, uh, stay warm and hopefully you unlike us took today off. Uh, but from myself, Brendan Lodge, cheerio from Clins and Matos. Bye everybody. And from Robin Licetti.
2: Take care, everyone.
0: We'll see you next week. Goodbye. Your old laptop could use an upgrade, so why not push yourself into the space age with the ASUS ZenBook 14X OLED Space Edition. Built to withstand the brutal US space system command standard torture tests, this notebook will last out anything you've used before. Able to withstand temperatures ranging from negative 24 up to 61 Celsius and meeting the Department of Defense's durability standards, the ASUS ZenBook 14X OLED Space Edition brings new meaning to the phrase durable. To find out more, head to za.store.assist.com.